Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the roll of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. I am Cody. And just real quick... You looked very bored and very mad that I was doing the intro like I do every single week. I don't think I looked angry. I think that you're just projecting. Anyways, here's here's the jam. I have some things that I want to talk about before the episode. Um, as usual. As usual, right. But I, But also, I just want to say... I'm I'm wanting to delay as long as possible doing my world because I'm like really worried about it because it's weird. <laughs> so okay. I don't know. Well, my world is possible yellow card, but I did put things in my world that you cannot call yellow card. So you just didn't do the prompt. I understand. My, no, I did. I did the prompt. But, it's your you signature know, we'll, move. We'll get to it. If, if I roll first, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I guess. Well, we'll find out. Okay, so how are you doing, Cody? What have you been reading, watching, or enjoying recently? Okay, so two things. Two things. The first one is I read a book called I Am Princess X, which is... Oh? Huh? I said, oh. I just said, oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You know, like, it's one of those books that um, when you read it, you go, oh, this is, this is meant for a 13-year-old girl. And so... It's like, well, I'm I'm 26, and it, it feels a little bit like reading beneath me because it's meant for 13-year-olds, you know? So it's like there's not a lot of complexity, and there's not a lot of depth, and they're not really getting to a lot of, like, meat. But for a YA book, I thought it was really good. Like, for the genre that it was clearly fitting into, it was an excellent example of a good young adult book. So I was like, okay, well, okay. I mean, like, knowing that, like, the context around it makes it a pretty, pretty good book. So I really enjoyed it. You know, I was like, yeah, this is like a book I would give to someone who is, like, maybe doesn't want to read something super heavy and just wants, like, this is light and fun. And at the end, you feel or happy. to, like, a niece or something who might it, be the age of actually reading that book. Right, right. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good okay. book. And I was, yeah. in, like, I was entertained by it. Like, it... It has like an initial hook that I was not sure about throughout the whole book. Like I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was it was a creative prompt. But it did kind of feel like they went, "I have this idea that's a little weird. I'm only going to write two all this and skating around actually telling me what this book is about, which is fine. I don't need to hear what it's about." I'll well, do you, do you want to hear like the the weird hook no. of like the do you actually Oh, know well, that? yeah, let's hear what's what's the weird hook. Okay, so the that. weird the weird thing is that it's um you know like Homestuck, the web series home the web comic slash web experience yeah, Homestuck, like the weird like demon things. Yeah, so it would be like, imagine if you were 10 and you wrote the story Homestuck and then put it in a box and then 10 years later found the webcomic existing. Huh. So, like... like existed, like someone wrote that webcomic or that so existed as a real world? The main character, when she was six, wrote the web wrote. She didn't write a webcomic. She just, like, with her friend, made up a story. Like, you know, when you're a little kid, you make up stories. She yeah. made up a story called Princess about Princess X, right? Okay. Um, and then ten years later, she just like finds a sticker for Princess X and has to like start investigating like how does this story that I wrote and then presumably got thrown away at some point while I was moving, how did this suddenly get made into a giant webcomic with a fan base? You know what I mean? 
So but, it's like her past kind of comes back to haunt her a little bit. But it, and it's like so interesting. Was it that okay, just was it that someone stole that from her, or that it just existed on its own? Jordan, that's that's the question that it begs. You know. Because you don't know. Okay. It's just like, she goes, I wrote this character when I was a little kid, and now it exists as like a fully-fledged webcomic. How did this happen? You know? So it was, it was an interesting okay. story. Like, I, I was hooked. That's pretty cool. So. Um, anything else on your plate? Yeah. Yeah. Second thing, I installed cabinets last night. Okay. <laughs> How, I guess how did that's, that go? I guess that's not something that I read, but it was fun. Like, I've never installed cabinets before. And when, like, I kind of decide I want to do something, I, I don't do a lot of research. And then I just do it and, and like, kind of figure it out as I go. So I bought a bunch of cabinets and finished them myself. And then was just like, well, now I got to put these in the kitchen. And then I spent four <laughs> hours on that last night. And now I'm like, now I really need to buy the countertops for this. Oh, my so, God, dude. Which is just a rip. It's just a scam. Buying countertops is oh, ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's a hundred percent a scam. Most of the things in this world are a scam. I'm just so mad at like I'm gonna make my own countertops is what is what's happening. I'm buying sheets of laminate and particle board and I'm making my own countertops because it saves me four hundred dollars, which is ridiculous. Okay. Well what I have been really watching I didn't writing- ask you. Yeah, but I'm gonna say it anyways. I don't care. What you okay, think. fine. This is my podcast. You're just on it. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, it's true, but still, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. I mean, I always um, knew, okay, but yeah. it just—I didn't want to hear so, it. I haven't been doing too much. I was finally on Netflix, Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is by some of the people who were involved with Studio Ghibli. They were—they created that, so I wanted to watch it because it has that like animated Studio Ghibli-esque feel. So I was going to watch that, but that day, both me and my wonderful girlfriend were just too involved with playing DS, so we didn't watch that. (laughs) Instead, we just played DS and threw out some other stuff. What? (laughs) Is that a euphemism for something? (laughs) What? Is that a euphemism for something? No. What? You sure? No, we actually just started playing DS, like, all night. Um, actually, yeah, so I've been playing a child's game, <sighs> Pokemon, I'm ashamed to admit that, but yeah, I've been playing a child's game, and I'm, um, working on my Eevee squad. Are you, are you, like, actually self-conscious about the fact that you play Pokemon just like every other, like, 20-something ever I'm 26, and I'm playing a game that I played literally 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, no one ever changes, so... Yeah, literally that, that 20 happen. years ago, I was really into Pokemon, and now I'm playing Pokemon again, and I'm slightly See, but whatever. The, it's great, I'm having fun, no one can tell me no, because I pay for it with my own You're DSing money, with so your girlfriend? Yeah. Okay, stop it. Um, but yeah, other than that, we watched um, a stand-up routine, which I really loved. It was the Eliza Elder Millennial stand-up on Netflix. It was really good, really funny. And I haven't watched that yet, but Mandy loves her, so I'm I'm sure I'm oh, going to at some point. Oh, she is hilarious. I really enjoyed it. She, like, and I mean, I don't want to be, like, a dick and be like, oh, she's old. But she's just, like, is older than I thought she was. And I was like, yeah, that name really Elder hot. Millennial is kind of appropriate, yeah. Yeah, no, and it was it was just really really cool to watch that like it it was empowering to women if i could just go ahead and say that i really like that i like that other people who are not just white men can be empowered sorry goatee no no that's that's fine some of my favorite comedians are women actually my like yeah like a lot of my favorite comedians are women so um, yeah name a few. 
Oh my gosh, Maria Bamford. Just oh, yeah. I could watch <laughs> yeah. Maria Bamford stand up is so freaking good. Like it just makes me angry. Also, like a recent one that I've always kind of known about, but I recently got into more is Tig Notaro. I, I don't love know who that is. She is so like Maria Bamford's one of those comedians that you kind of have to be like into strange, like kind of almost off-putting comedy. Like some of yeah, her I'm comedy is just her being strange and off-putting. Like that's kind of her yeah. thing. Um, the latest Tig Notaro special, she ended her special by for 10, I mean 10 minutes of the 50 minute runtime of her special trying to convince the audience whether she was or was not going to have the Indigo Girls come out and play a song at the end of her show. <laughs> she was like, it, it was like minute mark 40. All right, everyone. And now to end the show, the Indigo Girls and everyone claps and then no one comes out. And she's like, did you guys seriously think I got the Indigo Girls to come out to this place and play at the end of my show? Yeah, I called the Indigo Girls. and was just like, hey, Come out here and perform at the end of a stand-up comedy routine like you always okay, do. Okay, Cody, let, let her tell her jokes and let me eventually watch it. No, never. Jordan, it's okay, not going to happen. Anyways, but yeah, so we watched that. Um, been watching Queer Eye on Netflix, which is amazing and great. And You know, okay, hang on. Oh, no. I'm really confused about that, actually. Because oh, I know nothing about the show... I know nothing about the show, but I keep hearing people talk about it like it's like it's really good. It is. And I thought it was like a trashy reality TV show. Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's kind of like a reality makeover show, but they deal with more of the personal life of the people and like try to make them better people throughout. And it's actually a really, really good show. Really up. It's my go-to happy show when we're just like having a day where we don't feel good. We just watch that, and it's very uplifting, very fun. All the guys on it are very funny, very lively people. It's it's a good show. I should watch this show because I yeah, I just no, keep hearing really, people I, talk about it. Like, I think you oh, this like was such lot. like an emotional thing, and I'm like, isn't isn't yeah. this like Cake Wars? Isn't this basically the same no. thing as Cake Wars? <laughs> no, but I just no, don't no. know what it is. This is just like what I what I've picked up from not knowing anything about it. Yeah, no, just re- really watch it. Um, there's a couple other things that I like want to rewatch and write, but like I don't have time because work's been crazy, and I just started yet another creative venture. So <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time. Anyways, it's time to get into the show. Oh, is it? Are we not? Are we not going to record for two and a half hours tonight? No, <laughs> that's going to be so much editing. I just got to that episode editing wise. So last week was our two-hour anime extravaganza. It probably will not be two hours when you hear it because I am making a lot of cuts, but it was awesome. Cody did Kaiju Pokemon World, and I did Kamui yeah. Space Tree World. Mel did a really fun anime um kid. Well, sorry, kids anime. And it's just, all of them were really good. I liked each idea, and we just had a lot of fun talking for two hours about that um, topic. So, this week, I have a lot shorter of a world, and I'm really proud of it. So, what is this week? I'm worried episode, that, since you asked I'm me worried. earlier. I'm worried about it. I, I think that, for one thing, your world's probably going to be better than mine, and nah. also, I'm also worried that you cheated. 
Yeah, I probably did. Um, so what is this week's topic, Cody? This week's topic is utopia, not dystopia. Yeah, specifically not dystopia. So this is the perfect world imaginable. So do you want to go ahead and roll for initiative? Yep, I sure do. Okay. Well, man, just dead nuts in the center. Okay, what are you? I rolled a 10. Oh, literally in the center. Okay, I rolled an 18. Well, Jordan, you're going first. Let's hear your cheese. Am I really? I didn't know how that worked. And it's funny I say that because there were two episodes where I just didn't know how that worked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what it is is that usually we think of going first as a bad thing. And then you you win the roll and then you lose having to go first. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. So we're going to do this in the same format that we have been doing the last few weeks. It's just I'll talk and do my geography section. Then Cody will do his. I'll do flora and fauna. Cody will do his. I'll do history. He and back and forth. So I'm gonna start off. Oh wait, just w- shoot! Did we did we put flora and fauna together? Yeah. Well, okay, I can make that work. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We'll <laughs> just be talking for longer this time. Yeah, that's all right. So last week's anime world was eight pages long. This week's utopia world is three pages long. My world's six pages long, but I put page breaks in, so... Oh, yeah, no, I just write a solid wall of text and then read it out loud on the podcast. I can honestly just do this podcast as a blog, but I guess it's better if I talk. Well, then you get the verbal performance aspect. Yeah, no, we get get that verbal performance. Hopefully I can do some voices in this one, because these voices are a little bit easier for me to do. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go straight into it with just quick, a couple of definitions, and then a story, and then my geography. So, utopia, an imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect. Perfect. Having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics, i.e. as good as it is possible to be. So, me, I took this as perfect is in the eye of the beholder. I can see perfect as being different than what Cody sees as perfect. Cody's perfect (sighs) Sunday afternoon could be different from mine just lazing about and playing Pokemon. So, going in, this is my story. We have finally achieved the paradise that was promised to us so many years ago. The wars have all been won, the fighting has stopped, and at last, (laughs) we can finally (laughs) settle down and just live our lives. Yeah, that's a yellow card, Jordan. To finally live in the promised land. How is this a yellow card? Because you can't just say we murdered all the people and then made a utopia. (laughs) Yeah, utopia. Turns out, once murder is legal, you just get utopia. You you totally can. So this is from an unknown source. Okay, geography. All right. You take a deep breath, breathing in the sweet scents of sulfur and ash. In front of you, the lake burns a bright orange, signifying the this harvest This just sounds like my dragon world. <laughs> the lake burns blue during the months of winter, and every other time, it burns a dull red. The climate is always very hot. The temperature mostly stays in the hundreds, but in the winter, the temperature can drop down to the double digits. Very cold. Your world is round, with many cracks and canyons that flow with rivers of hot magma, the perfect vacation spot for hiking and exploring. Despite all the fire, water does flow beneath the surface. The water always comes up hot, but that is the way your people like it, and what helps all life grow on this planet. Sometimes Wait, the water bursts forth from the ground creating geysers. What's up? Are they Gorons? 
No. I mean, Are you sure? kind, kind of in a way, yeah, Gorons, but, you know. I'm imagining Gorons. Go ahead. I decided to create a hellscape for my utopia, but continuing. Are they genocidal Gorons? No, they just won their wars and found the promised land. It's not genocide. Gotcha, genocidal Gorons. Are they all dead? Genocide is, every war is genocide? You're saying every war is genocide. No. I mean, you can win a war without committing genocide. It kind of sounds, though, like they did. They found, I'm getting into it. Were they killing other Gorons or were they like killing the Zora? They're not Gorons. I hate you. You always try to ruin my world. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to ruin yours. How will you feel? You already do ruin my worlds. I was just Good. asking if the Gorons killed all the Zoras. Anyways, above you, the sky is a dingy ash-filled gray with cloud, uh, clouds of swirling white. The sun hangs high in the sky. It is a dark red color, and to you, it reminds you of blood. Today is one of the many eclipse days due to one of the many black moons of this planet covering up your sun. You stand up with ease, pushing against the gravity, which would be equivalent to five times what it is on a planet called Earth. And I just needed a good reference point. You take another deep breath and head to the city where you and your fellow beings live in the great city that exists on this planet of Galaxorp. That is Yellow card. You said Galaxorp. Galaxorp. Those are two yellow cards. How is that a One yellow card? One for genocide, the second for Galapscorp. <laughs> Dude, you took... It's a perfect world. Utopia. I am fulfilling what we talked about. Okay. <laughs> I, you're also going to suck, and I'm going to make fun of it the whole time. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead, Cody. Oh, is it my turn? Yes. Okay, I'm ready. Hang on. I just got to alt-tab to my notes and stop staring at my recording. Yo, a card. You don't have your notes ready. I don't. I never do. Okay, this is you, we can't be frivolous with these yellow cards, Jordan. You have to mean it. You just used two yellow cards, one for me, say Galaxorp. Yeah, well, Galapscorp, or however you say it, deserves a yellow card. Anyways. Galaxorp. This is the... Cre- say it's it with impossible me now, Cody. to pronounce. Galaxorp. Spaxcorps. Galaxorp. Got it. Galactic Corps. Ugh, I hate you. Anyways, this is the creation story from the people of the hills. Those so in the sky saw the, the world... In the beginning, uh, yes, there was Cody, I, and it was good. No, it wasn't. Oh no, no, no. This is this is definitely this is this is like their creation story that would be in their Bible. So yeah, you're right. Oh god, that's why it's called creation story from the people of the hills. It is explicitly what you are saying. You know, what? Can, can I keep going now? Can I'm I keep breaking going? up with you. That's fine. <laughs> Find someone else to do a podcast with you every week. Bye. Find yeah. someone else who will do the bare minimum to do this podcast. With <laughs> find you every someone week. else who shows up. I <laughs> dare you to find someone else who will do this as partially as I am doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the worst. Continue. Uh, I dare you to find a more uneven partner as I am. <laughs> Continue, Cody. You can't keep making Anyways, me feel bad for being the better one. Creation of the story from people uh, from the people of the hills or whatever. <laughs> Those in the sky saw a world that was angry. The mountains waged an endless war on the lands, and the lands held life. But that life was built on bones and blood. The animals ate each other. Sorry, that was spaced poorly. The animals ate each other. (laughs) The animals Uh, ate each other, you know. They just feasted on each other's bones. That was supposed to be more dramatic. The animals ate each other, and the world was cacophony. Beasts killing beasts until they starved, then other beasts would kill and feast. 
Those in the sky cried, but what to do? The gods said she would cool the mountains. She would still uh, tempest waters. She would bring harmony to chaos. And finally, she would send her family to the world, and they would bring light to this place. But the devil laughed. Bring your family and they will die, he says. They may seem good, but it is only because they fear you. Remember when your family hated each other. It was not until they fought themselves to desperation and turned to you that they found peace. So drop your family and leave. Watch with tears in your eyes as they kill each other for an age of ages. The god looked at the devil and smiled. She embraced her oldest friend. Devil, you see clearly and speak true. But remember, your eyes only see backwards while mine see forward. Okay, so straight up, I'm just getting like huge vibes of the Noah Ark story right now. And also Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Noah's Ark mixed with Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, no, I mean, it's definitely not. uh, Okay, so this is going to come up later, but... uh, Did the god's wife turn into a pillar of salt when she turned back to look at the burning city? No, no one gets turned into pillars of salt exactly, but um, the idea for the relationship between um, God and the devil in this was Come kind of Book Old of Testament. Yeah, yeah, just generally Old Testament where like the devil was like, I mean, it's not exactly the Book of Job because at no point does God make a wager with the devil to be like, I bet you can't get Job to suck. And the devil's like, well, I'm going to curse him for 30 years. And God's like... Cool, curse them all you want. You okay, know, we're not going to talk about that. the shortcomings of the Bible on this podcast. That could be a very long topic. I wouldn't say it was a shortcoming. I really like the Book of Job. It just is like an interesting way that those stories were told. I feel like it's but, more of a parable. Um, uh, yeah, um, but there, there is the devil in this case is not simply just like I have a pitchfork and fangs. You know, mm-hmm. he's not a Goron from your world, so he's got a little bit more depth. Um, <laughs> I wish people could see facial expressions. Oh, just wait until we do Anyways. another live show. You know, when I set up everything, you just show up. So, um, there's kind of a reveal at the end of all this where I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. But for now, that's all I'm going to say about um, about the the geography of the world. You're going to say, okay, so what you said about the geography is that there was a warring world and everybody was killing each other. And then the. No. What, what, then what huh. did you say about the geography? I said that the mountains were constantly. Hang on. Hang on. Do you want me to read it to you again? No, just tell me the summary because it didn't make sense. Oh, you know, uh, man, I didn't I didn't make that as clear as I meant to. So the idea was that like mountains waged war on the lands was to say that the mountains were like vomiting uh, like lava still. Oh, and the yeah. Yeah. So it was the idea that the earth was like still kind of primordial oh when this well, is being so when written. you said they were eating each other i thought like animals eating each other not like oh yeah yeah and, and that was that was the next part the animals ate each oh. other the world was cacophony okay, so basically two separate thing oh gosh okay S- sorry sorry that was less clear I, I meant to say like fiery mountains but i just didn't type it into this oh. so anyways i was just so the notion confused. is i'm sorry at the time of this being written it was like a primordial world that still had a lot of volcanic activity and Animals were just wildlife, and wildlife, as it happens, sucks and kills each other all the time. So you know that that's just kind of it's kind of where it's at. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Sorry. this is so totally a utopia. You know, there's lava in animals. Killing it's getting each other. there. 
it's getting there. Okay. And, All right. Okay. Yeah, you go, did go say this was a creation story. This, you did say it was a creation story. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I did. So flora and fauna, which I did as one as we talked about last week, but apparently no one cares what I say. No, no, that's fine. I'll, I I can do mine as one too. It'll actually but, work better. So go. The ahead. land is covered by a thick, dark green, almost black grass. The grass collects the ash that is produced by the constant fires of the lakes and uses this as sustenance to grow. The beings plant and harvest the crops. Most of these are thick black vines that produce dark colored fruit. These fruit grow bright colors of all sorts, but as they ripen, they darken to nearly black. That is how you can tell they are ready to pick. There are plants and trees like those on Earth, but on Glaxorp, they look withered and dying. Despite the way they look, this means the plants are healthy. This world isn't completely grim and dark. There are wild flowers of all colors that grow throughout this world. Despite being a world mostly of fire, the plant life flourishes throughout and there has never been a shortage. The water comes from the ground, so the inhabitants of this land do not, do not ever need to, to water the plants. They just till the soil and harvest the crops. The animals of this world are mostly reptilian, amphibian, or avian. They eat the fruit and vines. They also hunt each other in a perfect food cycle. No animal dies out or is endangered. They live in a harmonious ecosystem. A lot of the low end of the food chain subsists on dirt and ash, so since this world is filled with it, they never die out. The sentient beings of this world are the Laxar. They look like your typical demon, dark red with large horns and leathery <laughs> wings. Okay, so my idea for this world was, like, you say utopia, and usually when I think utopia, I think of, like, a heavenly landscape with, like, everything's perfect. People are constantly playing the harp for some reason. Like, everybody gets along. But, so I decided to take it the other way, and instead of it being heavenly, I made it, like, this hellscape. But this hellscape is perfect for these demons. Well, sorry, these aliens. No, I like it. I like it. So, yeah, that that was just more of my concept. Um, okay, so they walk on two legs, and their arms reach to their knees. Think of that red guy from the hit Gargoyles cartoon show. So, him. <laughs> they have Timely! Timely reference, Jordan. Everyone's <laughs> seen that? that show. 95? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have clothing, and there are those in society who make clothing that is trendy, but, you know, that's going to get into society. Anyways, your turn. Wait, do they wear, like, leather? Do they wear, like, a lot of leather? No, it's not the um, Ghost Rider world. I really wanted these to be BDSM. <laughs> dude, why now. do you always do this? Every single time. <laughs> okay, so in other words, you're saying that when you go on um, paternity leave, that I should totally find someone who doesn't do work and it brings up like some weird sexual thing every time I build a world. You know, I just read the subtext of what's oh, there. Oh, dude, there's right? no subtext. I'm not making you're this making up. subtext where there's not. All right, whatever. <sighs> Anyways, your turn, Flora and Fauna. Like I said, mine is very short. Okay. The Tale of the Broken Wheat. Our God was not cruel. When she left her family, she said, I am not cursing you. I have given you many gifts of food. The first and greatest is wheat. It can grow on this place, and from it you can make a food that will nourish you and will not spoil. Then the devil came up to the God's family. He spoke in the ear of the great uncle. Remember, friend. This resource, must, this resource must be carefully controlled, for once this gift is lost, it will be lost for an age of ages. The great uncle nodded solemnly. He did not live through the night. Whoa, what? Hang on. 
I'm just I'm just gonna go straight through this. Then we're then we're gonna oh, backtrack. Shoot! Freaking page breaks screwed me over. <laughs> the god loved us so much that she gave us her favorite pet. The beast was calm and powerful and could be eaten if needed. The beast was beautiful, massive, and strong. Truly a guardian of the god's family. The devil leaned close in the ear of the ant of the great ant. Remember, these beasts may seem tame, but they are descended from terrible monsters that used to hunt your family. They are indeed a great gift, but be vigilant, or they will stalk you again for an age of ages. The god's favorite pet did not last the first night. Okay, so this actually kind of reminds me of the divide between Dolphin World and My Water Planet. Like, you have some really well thought out, like, story, and I'm just throwing demons dude they're cool and they get along (laughs) after the first night the devil was enraged see your family could not be trusted they have killed each other and all the gifts that you have given them i told you did i not history does not lie and this family is broken and we have seen it before all there will be now is sorrow for an age of ages god embraced her oldest friend again and they returned to the sky my beloved devil remember your you can only see backwards, and I can only see forward. Those were not the greatest of my gifts. The greatest of my gift was failure. The courage to fail, the humility to forgive failures, and the wisdom to grow from failure. A tear slid down the devil's cheek. You are right, my dear friend. I can only ever see failure, and will never see the result. Okay, okay so, so I hate you for write, like the just amazing writing that you've been doing. Good job. Okay, hang on. Let me tell you what happened. So now this is like, that is, that takes us basically to society. Like, that would be the first recorded history, right? You know what I mean? So this was like the story told that eventually got written down into something that would be like the Bible. Yeah. Modern religious texts are derived from like old verbal stories that were told and like accounts of history. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, this is like earliest recorded history. What actually happened was um, my planet was a, like, raw um, planet that was found by, like, space-going humanoids, whatever you want to call them. Um, So they found a planet that was still largely unformed. There was beginning to be animal life, but it was still very chaotic. So um, they kind of did, like, a first round of um, terraforming, and that is what, like, calmed the mountains down so they would stop erupting. Um, it chilled out the environment to the point where humans could live there. Okay. Um, and then the reason for them needing to do this was um, like way back in this race's history, um, they like squandered their own planet and needed to find a new one. So they started terraforming multiple planets. And the way the terraforming would work is they would just like drop people on a planet that they had terraformed with like, I would call it like a nucleus of technology and resources. So it, it should be enough that it could perpetuate itself and grow like a modern society basically right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? So dr- drop the ability to like manufacture and create modern technology that would be usable by these people. Right. Um, but in the very early years of this colony, um, fear of what happened to them in the past caused mistrust and made people assume that they were evil. And this caused them to like destroy all of the stuff that they had been left okay. with. So like the two stories that I told the tale of the broken wheat and the tale about the, um, 
the the goddess's favorite uh, pet. That was just like stories. They're, they're supposed to be like parables based on how it was that people lost their technology. So way back when, when they were first dropped, they had modern agriculture, but then they lost all of their specimens of modern agriculture. And that meant that they no longer had like the food that they were used to eating and had to like figure out something else. Same way with livestock, they like had cows and stuff that they could have farmed, but because of like greed and mistrust, they lost all Mm -hmm. of that. And the same thing's also true about like a lot of technological stuff, but that is now so far in the past that it like basically seems like magic. You know what I mean? Like because of them, because of like the devil, right? That like looking back and the mistrust because of their own history they basically like burnt their ability to build a modern civilization and had to start from oh, the ground up. Okay. And then the stuff I just told you is basically like the religion that sprouted as a result of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so cool. That that's that's my flora and fauna. Yep, you won. You you got this one in the bag. <laughs> uh, it's, it's well, really interesting like like you said it's a little weird like you very abstract, <laughs> but it's very good. Well, let's let's uh, let me finish. I don't know. Okay, I don't know so how I'm it's going to end. We'll see. My society history, and you're going to say more terrible things about my world. Anyways, this is Darklar, the Overlooker. I have been around for many years, so long that I remember what life was before we found the promised land of Glaxorp. Why did I put an exclamation point there? I had to follow what I wrote. Because it needs Galaxorp. <laughs> I think I think Galaxorp is actually spelled with an exclamation it's mark. Galaxorp, once again. And yeah, we're just gonna Just seeing your shoulders slump when I get it wrong <laughs> is so fulfilling. You're just like you're so happy, then you're just like oh, <laughs> yeah, man, come I, on. Just, I tried to be fu- I tried to have a fun one after my super convoluted world, and you're just making fun of me. Anyways. I'm going to make fun of you no matter what. We existed in this galaxy since... I think I changed voices, actually. (laughs) Since the beginning, we're constantly... Sorry. Since the beginning, but we're constantly at war with many races, including the humans. The humans called us demons, but yet they war within each other due to minor differences such as color, age, sexuality, and beliefs. Saying sexuality in a demon voice is weird for me. <laughs> that was never the case no, wait with the for sex wars, though. No matter what we look like, sound like, or believe, we are all Laxar, born the same and raised to be one with all people. Every Laxar has their use, and we use this unity to come together and win the wars waged against us. My throat hurts. <laughs> Once the wars were won, the first step of the prophecy was complete, and those of us who were still able set out on a large pilgrimage. That's when we finally found the promised land that was prophesized in the beginning. We found it in the deepest reaches of the galaxy, a large black planet that was covered in fire, an element we needed to survive. The fires of this planet existed naturally, and we knew we had found our home. We named this planet Galaxorp after the great king who led us to victory. On Galaxorp, 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 Galaxorp. 
We eliminated the class system or any divide that we could see and lived as one race, one being. We have created the perfect world for the Laxar. So pretty much tells itself, but yeah, they fought tons of wars over the galaxy because people, because of their appearance, thought of them as being demons. And we have our guest visitor. Give me one second. Now you can speak. Okay, real quick though, his name is Darklar. Yeah, his name is Darklar. That's what you're talking about, yes, wasn't it? That was the joke I was I talking about. I am so happy you named him Darklar. It's the best. Does he also sell Darklar? What's Darklar? Okay, I'm gonna let you do that. <laughs> okay. Hi, Cody. Bye, Cody. And that voice was my wonderful girlfriend. So I will get to Darklar in one second, but it's. It's fun. Um, we were actually talking about this topic earlier, anyways. But um, so yeah, they won their wars, and they decided to set out to find the promised land because prophesied to them is when all the wars end, they will find the promised land, um, a land that they can find true unity. So that's when they travel to the far reaches of the galaxy, which every you know promised land is set for. You know, forty years they spent looking for this biblical and they found Galaxorp, which is covered in fire which is how they subsist and um sorry distractions all over the place <laughs> and yeah they settled down and de- defeated all of their class divides and decided to live as one people and i'll get to the rest of that in my society current oh so wait dark all right okay so dark Lar is actually a joke from the stand-up comedian Nick Batterot. Um, so his thing was he was like, I think at a restaurant or something, and the person says, like, oh hey, it's like I'm Taylor and I'll be your waiter or whatever. And the person's like, wait, do you say Darklar? And it's like, who would name their child Darklar? Use some common sense. And it's just like going off the name Darklar. It's like, yeah, just but it you'll have to listen to that. Nick ba- I'm naming my son Darklar now. His middle name's going to be Dark, Darklar. Yeah, but Darklar, listen to Nick Radarot. He is very funny. All right. Is, yes, is, is it, it my turn? turn? Am I going? Society history. Awesome. The idea is fragile. Utopia? The counselors all wrote it was not possible. Yellow card! Sarcasm was in fashion. Yellow card! You said Utopia's not possible. scream Darklar. This is told in a character <laughs> voice from the perspective of someone writing. So why don't you let me okay. finish? The idea is fragile. Utopia. The counselors all wrote it was not possible. Sarcasm was in fashion, so who would dare write of utopia? All the thinkers and scholars and intelligent elite could only ever stretch those mighty brains to write the most eloquent, scathing trash. That's what brought us to the brink. Our our culture died. And what was there to replace it? Well, nothing as simple as just loving each other. It sounds very nice, yes, but loving each other and joining hands, well, we tried it, and as it happened, all the starving villages didn't stop starving, and all the history of anger didn't vanish. When we tried that, we just failed. But that is how we found Utopia. Failure. This is the writing of Eleanor Denmark. Eleanor Denmark. Denmark. (laughs) I can read. No, I didn't say Eleanor Rigby. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, this is awkward. That's yeah, a great song, though, and I the Beatles. Okay, so Society in the Past. This was written at um, a kind of generally 
Renaissance medieval time. Mm, those are two different time periods. A Renaissance <laughs> time. So, um, sorry, you giggled and then I lost my train of thought. So, this was written at a Renaissance time. So, there was enough um, society advanced to the point where, um, like, starvation and want wasn't super common. It wasn't necessary. They had developed like basic agriculture and trade and enough technology to keep most everybody fed. Um, but much like our own like history, it, it wasn't like perfectly distributed in any way. You know, there were like super rich people and super poor people. And um, at this time was when like idle richness led to a lot of scholarship. Okay. Um, so people that were very wealthy had time to go to college, had time to read and write and share ideas but ultimately, the result of it was an increase in, like, sarcasm okay. and cynicism. Which happens um, naturally. Which is, yeah, right. Like, these people that are wealthy enough to sit around and think end up not having anything to sit around yes. and think about or any way to apply it. So they just end up, like, kind of going into, like, a spin cycle of sarcasm of just, like, their writing and their effort and most of culture was dedicated to critique and criticism of existing culture instead of advancing new ideas and trying to create something, um, which led to like just a death of their culture. Like it eventually became so like irreverent and meaningless that people just stopped caring about it. Um, and so like right at this time that she's writing, it was at a t because of this, because of like everyone's like disinterest with things like existing structures kind of started to crumble and people started to like not care. And it kind of like led to enough instability for like a new brand of thought to take over, which was like kind of a, like this super optimistic, like backlash to all like the cynicism and miseries. Like if we just work together. Right. And like it failed uh -huh. miserably. Like all these people like tried to be like, we just need to like join hands and, and help each other out. And, like, people still hated each other because of, like, a long history yeah. of hating each other. But people, the, that same group of people, though, like, recognized their failure and used it to move forward. So they tried to, like, do one form of, like, a utopian revolution and it just completely crumbled on them. But the big turning point was they recognized it and okay. then tried something yeah. new. And so that's kind of society past. And then we'll get to society current here in a minute. Okay, the land of Glaxorp is paradise for the Laxar. The, the fires give them strength, and the plant life is easy to harvest and maintain. Plus, they find the land absolutely beautiful with the eclipsed moon and the lakes of fire. But that is not all that makes this place a utopia to them. When the Laxar first found Glaxorp, they created society based on what was prophesied. There were certain laws put in place to promote harmony, laws against hurting each other, other laws against hate crimes or anything that would disrupt the peace. There is a small law enforcement, but this is not ever truly needed. The Laxars see each other and every one of them as family. No one is seen as lesser or weak. The, the desire to commit crime isn't there because that would be the equivalent of hurting a loved one. This way of life has been passed down to every generation. The children grow up knowing love of their own family and also that of their community. So basically, loving each other is how I solved all problems. What you just said wouldn't work. Now I feel bad about hating on your demon Why? world. All yeah, they all, want is hugs. Because well, all they want I'm is about big, to get to, hugs. Actually, I'm just going to get to it, then I'll say what I'm going to say. So the elder officials who help oversee... Oh, sorry, there are elder officials 
who help oversee the Laxar community. They are voted on by the people and only have the intentions of furthering society. Once the wars were completed, the aggression wore off since this was only aggression in place to protect their own kind. Overall, the Laxar are peaceful people. So, like, it worked because they never really fought against each other. Like I said in the society histories, like, they all see each other as being of the same. So, like, why hate each other? Like, we humans hate each other for race and all that things. The Laxar don't see it like that. They see it as them all being one big family. So the only reason they warred was to um, protect themselves. The humans came after them because they thought they were demons and needed to be eradicated. They just wanted to strive and survive. So they fought, they won the wars, and then they left for their promised land. Okay, so um, the Laxar have created small towns all over the planet. Using technology from their spaceships and old world, they were able to easily communicate all across the world. They are advanced, but they have given up most of the advancements to live simple lives. The wars are over. There is no need to advance past where they already were. This would be the equivalent of making it to heaven. You already have what you need. Why want more? They have no class system and see each other as equals. No Laxar is above another Laxar. To keep society sustained, each and every Laxar has a job. Even those in charge of society cycle through jobs. They all chip in in some way to their society. The jobs are seen as an honor, but not a permanent job. Every Laxar is put where they need to be, but if they do not like the job, they can either trade the jobs or put their name into a job poll, and when another job becomes available, they can try that one. There is a school and training to a certain age, and then after that age, they all go to the workforce. Each job has a training period. After the training period, the Laxar can switch. Jobs range from all things such as law enforcement, Restarting the fires when one of the geysers is put out, oh sorry, puts it out. Growing the crops, harvesting the crops, processing the food, maintaining technology, carrying messages throughout the world, and many, many more. After Laxar reaches a certain age, they are allowed to go out to the countryside and live in a small community in order to live out the rest of their days in peace. There they do nothing but enjoy their surroundings. That is one of the jobs the younger generation has taken, is taking care of the elders. This is what the Laxar called call paradise, lake of fire and all. That is my society current. See, I it like turns it. around. It's it turns I around. I like it. It's cute. It turns around. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to hear the end of this. This is very interesting. Sorry, my mic's screwing up. Okay, so this is a letter to Senior Representative Benjamin Clark from Junior Representative Richard Ives. Well, Ben. God did say her greatest gift was failure. I think we can see the results of my proposed legislation to restrict the use of fiction and education to ensure that students have more opportunity to engage with higher thoughts was a bust. The teachers resented the heavy-handed influence, and the students became more despondent than ever about their homework. I mean, I think the lesson learned here is fiction must serve as a gateway. The type of book must slowly develop an appreciation for higher thought. If you can excuse a metaphor, fiction is the manure spread on the student's mind that shall fertilize their mental landscape to be ready for great thoughts to be planted. I have attached the updated education section to the 378th Legislative Accord. We shall discuss this with the council next week. Richie. Um, So this is an example of... um, 
the attitude towards their government at this time, which is um, highly revised. So the notion of failure never left the society, and that's what has made it into the utopia it is now. Okay. People don't run from or fear or resent failure. They expect it as a necessity for success. So because way back in their history, and it's even written into their religion, that they squandered what was given to them and then still had to make do and build something out of it. Um, and that that notion of like learning from failure is what's important, okay. not never making a mistake. You know, like their original God did not resent them for screwing up. She knew they would. And that's fine. It's a necessary gateway to success. Okay. Um. So now the way government functions, like the current iteration of their government, which does change constantly, is something that's like loosely like a representative government. That's just what it is right now. But it changes as often as it needs to. Like whenever their government fails, they're just like, well, we got to redo that. And inside of this existing government, they've rewritten their legislative accord 378 times and they're still making edits to it as they realize what parts of it are failing and no longer working. Okay. So this is an example of like this junior representative thought it'd be a good idea to get rid of all fiction in schools and found out it didn't work and was like, well, we got to rewrite that. So to me, the idea that I came up with when I started trying to write a utopia was going like, I think, and maybe this is like not a hundred percent true, but in my head, like one of the things that we lack in our world is like an ability and a desire to fail. It's always seen as a bad thing yes. to like fail at something yes. a bunch. And it's very rarely presented as like a necessary stepping stone to success. Yes. So like it's built into these people's culture to understand that failure is a necessity and something to be encouraged. It's like hitting those stumbling blocks is a really valuable lesson. So like people expect of their government to acknowledge when they have failed <laughs> And then do something. Yeah, about that it. doesn't happen. Like, that in our is world. right, right. And I mean, like, it's a little bit like on the nose, you know. No, like, no, I mean, when I started writing this, it got a little bit like on the nose of like I'm very clearly critiquing something that I see that I don't like. Yeah, which is one true. like the. Well, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think it's untrue. But like the first section, like when they were in their Renaissance, like the propensity for like cynicism and sarcasm as yeah. a replacement for culture is kind of something that people do now. And I also think that something that people are trying to get away from now, which is a good thing. And then as far as like how to manage people, I think that like problems do arise when people get like um, dogmatic about a way of doing something. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? I get that. It's like a hundred, well, like 300 years ago, farther back than that, 400, whatever. Like, if hundreds of years ago you asked someone, like, oh, well, why can't we get rid of the king? You know, it's like, well, because it's the king, you can't get rid of that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. you get – people always get stuck in a mindset because they don't think that – because they think if you try something, it might fail, and then that will be worse. Whereas, like, these people are like, we know we have to fail to get there. Like, we're going to try this other form of government. It will fail, and then we'll try something else. And then that will fail, and then we'll try something else. And eventually, we're going to get it. Okay, so and we're going to keep trying. I have you know? two things to say about that. Like like you said, we live in a society that failure is the worst thing that happens. And like, yes, you learn from your failures, but still, failure is the worst thing that happens. And we also live in a society where 
lying and covering up is way better than admitting failure. Right, right, right. And I mean, like, at some point it is a little bit, like, optimistic to just be like, oh, if people just believed in failure, it'd all be okay. But at the same time, that's why, like, I had that little snippet of, like, well, we just tried to love each other and that didn't work. But then we, like, learned from that. And I'm like, because that's... Because that's true. Like, you can't just be like, if we all hugged more, it'd be okay. It's like, no, you don't get it. There's, like, really big problems. <laughs> like, there's issues beyond just people don't like each other, you know? Yeah. And, um, like, I... I so, really I, I wanted it to be that this is a society that wants to engage with a problem and go, okay, we're going to work on this. So you know, we're going to try something. This isn't me calling a yellow card i made those jokes earlier but is this truly a utopia i think well your definition of perfect hang on hang on as hang good on, as can possibly i'm gonna throw be. this right back as good as can possibly be is being willing to fail and then learn from failure that is the best you can ever do at anything okay okay no i like i really I that was the coming best from a true question that wasn't me just trying to like be a no joke about it no I think it's fair because I didn't want to just write like space age world where no one starves anymore. Yeah. Like I didn't just want and to write Star Trek. Exactly why I chose um, the thing I chose. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I feel like our tones were totally flipped on this. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's way more my style to be like Utopia. Screw that! It's Satan's Utopia. Yeah, <laughs> you know like, what I mean. Utopia. Like I said, Utopia is in the eye. To me, is in the eye of the beholder. Like my perfect world is going to be a lot different from your perfect world. So utopia to these well, demons is and I different think that, from the utopia to us right and i think that like for these people that i imagined it on this world that are now like thousands of years after like failing at being a terraformed like super future people um to them utopia is something that would be in flux because that's built into their culture okay and that's something that i think we don't always like engage with a lot is thinking about like what things are built in naturally into our culture that we just assume. And the reason I made it as something religious is that like, there are a lot of religious things that are like built into our culture that I don't think we realize are always like derived from religion. You know what I mean? Like even as simple as like a resurrection story, which you see all the freaking time is something that's like, very biblical you know what i mean yeah and it's like it's just that that is like such a fundamental part of a lot of people's lives even when they aren't religious people it's just baked into our culture yes, now as something you can't like remove no, you definitely you know can. what i mean so <laughs> okay but yeah so that's just kind of why i like went with the whole like religious thing at the beginning no, I, and then, I really like, like see the how that like trickles down to how story. do you have like an actual story or is once again this your story Oh yeah, no, it was just all of the narration okay. stuff. So that I, I have a little story, story at the end. It's just a fun little anecdote that I wrote. It's just little, stu- it's dumb, but I decided just to throw it in. It explains a little bit more of the society current. But anyways, here's a story of Darklar Darklar, the chocolate maker. Oh my gosh, his name's Darklar Darklar. Yes. I am a descendant of the great Darklar. Before he passed, I made a promise to always try and make our people happy. That's why I've opened up my shop, Darklar's Dark Bars. Using beans from the withered black tree, I have made a substance called chocolate. Due to the nature of our world, (laughs) chocolate can only last for a little while. But using our old technology, I have made a machine that can keep chocolate cold long enough to enjoy. 
with Darklar's Dark Bars, I feel that I have completed my promise to the great Darklar. I believe that I am just another great part of this heavenly world of Glaxorp. So, one thing in this world is that the people are always trying to find a different way to increase, like, the happiness of society. They want to, like, do something nice for each other. So, this Darklar Darklar decided to promise his um, great ancestor Darklar to make... So to find a way to make the people happy, and he, is he just a Smurf? Is no, he you, just you've a already Smurf? Used the Smurf I'm just wondering. My world. You just named him Smurf. No, Smurf. <laughs> anyways, but yeah, so he decided to make uh, something that can make people happy, and that came in the form of chocolate. Yes, somehow chocolate exists on my world. But anyways, I just it just it's I just decided to have fun with it, and it, like this society just does things for each other. It's all about maintaining this unity. And, you know, there's no hatred because yeah, they like always the love each other. It just works. Very similar to the Smurfs. Whatever, dude. You, you've already used the Smurf anecdote against me, so whatever. When have I ever used During the my Smurf Dragon anecdote World. against you? Did I, did I make a Smurf yeah, joke I think, I think it was World? Dragon World, but you've made Smurfs multiple times. Okay, look, Jordan, when I grew up, I've only ever seen two shows, and that was Gargoyles and Smurfs. <laughs> okay, I feel like you're using the Gargoyles just to make fun of me. I mean, I, I actually didn't watch Gargoyles that much. I just No, I, I was aware. I didn't watch it because I past. thought it was dumb, and it is. What? It was not dumb. dumb. I mean, it wasn't dumb. It wasn't good. I'm going to rewatch Gargoyles. Now. Oh, yeah. Okay, anyways. So that's the end of our worlds. Um, One question before we go into the dice rolling. Did you ever finish Ghost in the Shell standalone? No. Just got bored of it. I started watching Deep Space Nine. Hang on. We need to talk about something. Have you seen the show Deep Space Nine? No, but we can talk about it after the show because I want to have an episode that's not going to take me three days to edit. But Jordan, Deep Space Nine is so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Watch a good show like Ghost in the Shell. Anyways, we're going to roll for... Oh, no. I'm going to roll for the next world because I already won initiative. Whoops. I forgot how this show works. I don't got to do nothing. Uh, I need to open the window with the worlds on it. Also, as I mentioned, the Dark Lord thing. Why, why don't either of us? The Dark Lord thing came from Sorry, um, Nick Vatterat's comedy. His comedy album is for amusement only. So if you guys want to check that out, I think it's very funny. Is he going to be on next? No, week? I just sorry. When I like, if it's someone who's not like supremely famous, I like to try to promote them because I do enjoy like you know the the self starters, the ones who try to make their own way in this world. I really do enjoy that. I think we could get him on our show, I, Jordan. We, we could, could do it. Just send him an email. Honestly, I... Just be like, check out this podcast <laughs> where I named a guy Darklar Darklar. Okay, anyways, I'm rolling for the next world. I, my dice, it rolled. It was cocked, so it was between two numbers. So I'm going to roll again and clear off the space. What? So this happened during D&D like all last night because I played D&D last night with Mel's sister. Um, she's probably going to listen to it, but I'm just going to say applause for the storytelling on the... Um, part of the campaign that we did on August 1st. You did an amazing job, Sabrina. Anyways, rolling. Okay. That is Cyberpunk or Steampunk? Number 17. Ooh. Megusta. So Cyberpunk or Steampunk? Uh-huh. Yet again, another world that's going to be... Um, no, we're not doing a complicated world. I'm going to have something that's light. <laughs> Make it concise. Yeah, yeah but that Ooh, literally never happens with my world. the soul of wit. You know that line, brevity is the soul of wit, from Shakespeare? Yeah. What about it? 
Do you know the irony that that line is being spoken by like a stupid gas bag who gives bad advice to everybody? <laughs> so basically, you're a stupid gas bag words, giving bad advice to me. Well, I do say that to people all the time, but I don't think Shakespeare oh, wait, himself no, actually that's not 17. It. I think it was being used I'm sorry, dude. I didn't roll 17. You can't backseat no, this I on me. I'm already halfway done with my I'm going to show it to you. I didn't roll a 17. Uh, where's the camera? I rolled a 7. What did you roll? I rolled a 7. You know oh. what? Well, what's 7? Magic and science. Finally. The oh, one okay. I've been I mean, waiting that's, for that's this an whole time. Replacement. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm not mad about it anymore. I was mad because I thought we were going to get something yeah, that no, would sorry. suck. Yeah, I, just, I saw the 7. It was far enough away that I thought it said 17. Sorry about that. Oh gosh! Okay, nope, that's yeah. cool. I'm I'm down for magic and science. But anyways, so that is our episode. You can check Cody out on Wandering Gamer Network, and you can check me out. I forgot what the word was for some reason. And you can check me out on something I guess zero zero this past weekend, which is going to be a long time when you hear this. Um, Mel and I played a little bit of Life is Strange before the storm. We made decisions. Things happened. Anyways, check us both out. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.